This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alex Tai. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 25th of September. In your Squiz today, Russia takes a fighting stance. The Solomon Islands snubs the US. We've got a footy finals lineup and a record stint in space. This is your Squiz today. Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has made some fiery statements at the United Nations General Assembly yesterday, saying that the US and other Western powers are, and this is the quote, straight up fighting with us. Claire, his speech had some World War Three vibes. Yeah, they're pretty strong words, but there's no need to hit the panic button. <laughs> Lavrov is known for his very big statements and what he's talking about are the weapons and the ammunition and the funding that's been given to Ukraine since Russia's invasion. Uh, Lavrov also accused Western allies of aiming, and this is the quote, uh, to fuel conflicts which artificially divide humanity into hostility blocks, which is something that that Western nations actually accuse Russia of doing with the invasion. Uh, And while he's been at the United Nations over the last few days, he's rejected a couple of proposals on the war. One was a 10-point peace plan from Vladimir Zelensky from Ukraine, uh, and the other was a proposal from the United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres to restart grain exports from Ukraine through the Black Sea. Yes, Lavrov said that restarting grain exports was simply not realistic and that the peace plan from Zelensky was completely not feasible. And Claire, speaking of President Volodymyr Zelensky, he also had a big week at the UN. Yeah, that's right. He made his first in-person appearance at the United Nations since the beginning of the invasion and he made a plea for more support. We talked last week about that and also his concerns that war weariness would set in and Ukraine's allies would drift away. But his cause got a big boost yesterday with confirmation that the United States will supply Ukraine with long-range missiles. There's a lot being said about Ukraine doing more to hit Russian territory with drone attacks, and this missile boost from the US will also help Ukraine do the same sort of thing. Yes, and the school of thought here is that the war won't be over until it reaches Moscow, and that is what Ukraine is trying to do. Sticking with international news, the Solomon Islands PM Manasseh Sogavare has pulled out of a two-day summit hosted by the US President Joe Biden that kicks off on Monday Washington time. Now, Claire, is there anything worse than a guest who pulls out of your carefully planned party or international diplomatic meeting at the very last minute? No, I don't think there is anything worse (laughs) than that. Those sort of people go into a black book as far as I'm concerned. But let's just say that American officials are very disappointed by that, according to the reports anyway. Uh, Like Australia, America has been paying a lot more attention to Pacific Island nations, and that's after China really 
started getting more involved in our region and started throwing around money and support. And that saw Joe Biden host a summit at the White House a year ago with the Pacific Island nations. Part two was to take place in Papua New Guinea a few months ago, but Biden had to cancel that. Uh, The meeting was then rescheduled for this week uh, when most Pacific leaders were in the US for that United Nations General Assembly meeting. But Sogavare, who is actually in America, now says that he can't go. His people say he has some important parliamentary business to attend to, but analysts say it's down to the Solomon's tilt towards China, which was reaffirmed by Sogavare when he spoke very favourably about China at the UN last week. There was a strange incident at the Nightcliff Markets in Darwin yesterday. The Chief Minister, Natasha Files was allegedly hit in the face with a cream-covered pancake by an unnamed woman. Yeah, police are investigating that and reports say that Files was shaken up by the incident. Um, the Territory's top politician is said to be a regular at the markets because it's in her electorate and she's yet to say anything about it, but reports say that she's at a media event today, so it'll be a hard topic for her to avoid. Um, Australia has a very good track record for safety for our politicians when they're out and about. It's a real feature of our democracy. Um, There's some notable exceptions to that, of course, including that time not so long ago when former Prime Minister Tony Abbott was head-butted in Hobart. Uh, But generally, our most notable politicians are safe when they go about their business. And just while we're on state leaders, the former Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, will launch a legal challenge against the state's Independent Commission Against Corruption and their finding that she engaged in serious corrupt conduct. The new Premier, Chris Minns, said that Berejiklian has a right to appeal the finding. It was a big, big weekend of footy, Claire, and now all of the pieces are set for the finals next weekend. So who is going to be playing? Yep, let's start with the AFL. Uh, When it comes to that grand final on Saturday, it's going to be between the Collingwood Magpies and the Brisbane Lions. Uh, The Magpies only just scraped through to the grand final this year. They beat the Greater Western Sydney Giants by one point (laughs) on Friday night. It was really exciting, that game. Uh, And in the NRL, the grand final is on Sunday. That's going to be between the Penrith Panthers and the Brisbane Broncos. And the Panthers really smashed Melbourne. Melbourne Storm, uh, and the Broncos really beat the New Zealand Warriors. So a couple of worthy grand finalists there. And the other footy game to mention is being played right as we're putting out this podcast. It is the do or die match in the Rugby World Cup with Australia needing a win against Wales to progress to the final eight. But Claire, after our disastrous loss to Fiji last week, even a win may not be enough to secure a place. So we'll just have to see how that goes this morning. Yeah, go the Wallabies. An astronaut has accidentally spent over a year in space after what was meant to be a six-month trip to the International Space Station turned into a record-breaking stint. Alex, when we talked about this yesterday, I really had to ask you how you accidentally spend more time in space (laughs) than you needed to. But this guy's name is Frank Rubio. He left Earth in September last year. He would have been home by now, but his spacecraft started leaking 
coolant when it was in orbit, which mm. is, I'm look, not a mechanic, but I assume that's a problem. <laughs> um, the extended stay has meant that Rubio has broken the record as a NASA astronaut for the longest continuous stint in space. He doesn't have the world or the global or the universal record, I guess it's called. <laughs> um, that's held by Russian astronaut Valery Polyakov. Um, he spent 437 days in orbit back in the 90s. So Rubio won't be going that long. If all goes to plan, he should be coming back to Earth this week. And he said that he is looking forward to being in his backyard and seeing trees again. <laughs> And Claire, it is a big day for space news. After a years-long mission, 250 grams of a four-and-a-half-billion-year-old asteroid has landed on Earth with the help of some Aussie scientists. The sample was collected two years ago off the asteroid by NASA, and the idea of studying it is it could unlock some secrets about the universe and how this solar system was formed. Squiz the day, Claire. What is coming up today? So it's the AFL Night of Nights. The Brownlow medal is on tonight, so get ready for some red carpet gallery action tomorrow, I reckon. Uh, also, Treasurer Jim Chalmers is going to release his employment white paper. Uh, he says that's about creating a more dynamic and more inclusive labour market. Just a nice, easy start to the week with a huge policy paper. <laughs> and that is all for us today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back again tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50. And that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress that's yeah. sort of an equivalent price – People equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, you don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.